Hello, and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today we present a special interview recorded by Fred Schenkelberg with Jim McLinn, Principal Reliability Consultant at Ops a la carte. Jim McLinn has an MS in solid state physics from the University of Minnesota and has worked in the semiconductor and biomedical industries. He has broad experience working to help companies become more competitive. During his career, his responsibilities included reliability predictions, leading FMEA teams, running ALT and HALT tests, and working with international subsidiaries. Jim has served on the ASQ Reliability Division Board and the IEEE Reliability Society at Comp. He has published three monographs with ASQ, Weibel Analysis, Mechanical Reliability, and Accelerated Life Test. Jim has taught a variety of classes and spoken at many reliability conferences around the world. Fred talked with Jim about the upcoming 2017 Accelerated Stress Testing and Reliability Conference, co-sponsored by the IEEE Reliability Society and the ASQ Reliability Division, which will be held in Austin, Texas from September 27th to 29th. Let's join Fred's conversation with Jim McLinn. So welcome to Dare to Know. This is Fred Schenkberg, and I'm very happy to sit down twice, second time now in this program with, with Jim McLinn. So welcome, Jim. Oh, thank you, Fred. I'm happy to be here in lovely Orlando today. It's sunny and warm. And, and it's sunny and warm. We're, I think Sunday, Sunday and Monday it was oh. a bit blustery. Blustery, yeah, tornado weather. Wow, that was exciting. That's right. Some of our colleagues were, were Carl in particular, he's in an RV nearby. Those are, yes. They're second to mobile homes for tornado attraction. Yes, well, our, this uh, conference is, because I can remember over the last 30 years I've been going to the conference, how many times we've had bad weather. Ice storms and snow and, and just the airports sometimes. In, yeah. in, so this time it was the airport here. Uh, that delayed my flight. It was the weather in Orlando, so that was unusual. But we're here, we're having a good time, and now, uh, the last time we talked, we talked about uh, volunteering and community work, which you are continuing to do. You're still very active in, in a number of different areas. Um, you're in the consulting, you've written, uh, I don't know, I don't, I've lost count of how many papers and booklets and books and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but what caught my eye uh, this week is, and, and it's not just this week, you've been promoting it for a while now, is the ASTR, the Applied Stress Testing Reliability? Accelerated Stress Testing Accelerated testing. and Reliability, the ASTR conference, small conference uh, that deals in those very specific topics on accelerated stress testing because they're unique. That conference has started in the 90s, it's been going on many years, uh, currently sponsored by the IEEE Reliability Society and the American Society for Quality Reliability Division. So that's a good marriage between the two groups where they can cooperate and work on reliability topics. They're not really competitors, but sometimes you think so. <laughs> well, it's like a marriage, you know, the partners poke at each other a little bit as that's they right. make progress together. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I've, I went to the conference in San Francisco, and I know it's been in, in Montreal, it's been in Austin, it's been in Minneapolis, I think, I, yeah. I think you were involved with getting it to Minneapolis at one point. 
some been, time ago. I've been involved in the last three. I went to San Diego at the request of some somebody to help him out. Mm -hmm. and it was Mike Silverman, and he needed help because it got dumped in his lap. And so he looking for volunteers. And I had a great time in San Diego. I did a couple of papers and worked registration. After that, uh, we went to, uh, it was actually St. Paul. St. Paul, right. People in St. Paul get very touchy if you say Minneapolis or St. Yeah. Paul. But <laughs> that, that's part of the rivalry between the two towns, yeah, even yeah. though they're twins, as they call themselves. And it was a great conference. Uh, we had a lot of good local support uh, from the uh, IEEE chapter, which I chaired for many years, right. uh, the Reliability uh, uh, Society chapter, and many good speakers. Then we went to um, Boston, another great conference. That's they have great. a pretty active local community. They do. The, uh, it's such a high-tech area, and we had many people. We, right next to MIT, I had fun walking around the MIT campus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you bookstore. break into any locks? Uh, <laughs> went into the bookstore, and I was my God, what are these kids reading? I, uh, college seems like so long ago when I look at some of their textbooks. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a changed environment. Yeah. The, the, the thing, though, that comes across to me in these conferences is that it is smaller. It's not as big as RAMS. Yes. It's, you know, 50, 100 people yeah. is kind of the, the realm I see. Yes. And it's a, yet it's a, a spot where you can dive deep into those discussions. And you're, you're with the people that are really all focused on accelerated testing in one yeah. form or another. And it's a it's it's a focused conference. I think is what makes the discussion so much more relevant. Yes, it's not only focused, but you get to talk to some of the big names in the whole accelerated testing area. People who've written the books or delved into it. Uh, we've had Wayne Nelson uh, last year. Our keynote was William Meeker. Yeah. Uh, we, it was in Pensacola last year, which is a great place. And William came and gave us a good keynote and spent the time with us. And mm -hmm. Got so many people got a chance to talk with him. He's written many monumental papers on accelerated testing with Meeker and Han, Meeker, Meeker and, and Escobar. Uh, Escobar, and there's a whole bunch of Meeker and yeah, papers, that's right. as well as his own. Uh, and it's great to be able to do that because many times the learning is in the follow-up questions on the side. Um, okay, how do you do this, or what do you think is the best way? Or And it's nice to be able to get a chance to talk with the, all the speakers. Uh, that's right. When you're um, doing that, and a small conference affords that. In, in this big conference, there's some ability to do that. It takes more effort to make it happen because there's so, it's, there's so many things going on and oftentimes the speaker's like, oh, I, I need to moderate the next session or I need to go to this or, and they're moving. Yeah, it's That is true because with a small conference, it only takes three people to run it uh, right. on site. So you're, uh, you're, not, uh, you're not drawing all the interesting people off because they have to moderate a session, as you were saying, or, or get ready for the next or meet with somebody or... Uh, do something else. Yeah, I'm surprised you're not staying in San Diego all the time because it's, it's the more laid-back, relaxed atmosphere and you know that stuff. Is there a reason it moves from city to city? Yeah, yes, there is. And uh, typically, we're trying to cover the, the U.S. and environs. We've been to Canada uh, as well several times over the history of the conference. We like to move around to high-tech areas t to give everybody a chance because this type of conference has a large local draw. Mm -hmm. Typically, we uh, contact some, some of the professional engineering societies that delve in the accelerated testing methods. And uh, it gives an opportunity for people to go to a conference at home. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Oftentimes, they can't get away or there's costs involved with taking that airplane ride and, and the expensive uh, hotels right, that right. can sometimes ensue. But 
uh, by moving this conference around uh, around the U.S. and other high-tech cities, it gives people a chance to go there periodically. That's wonderful. And it also make the, you building connections with people that are local. Yes. And, and then but the speakers are coming from all over the place. You yeah. really do a good job of getting the word out and attracting speakers from all over the place. Yes, in the last couple of years uh, on the conference we've had speakers from Europe as well as uh, the Far East, uh, China, Korea, Japan come to that conference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's a strong desire to, of learning in some areas. So they're, they're coming, they're, they're meeting the needs. Um, and the people are attending from all over the world too because about a quarter of our people are outside the U.S., uh, mm -hmm. okay. which is what we want. We want this to be an international conference as right, much as right. possible. I'd love to see this conference go to other cities, but it's not quite ready to go do that because we're not uh, professional enough or not experienced <laughs> enough to make that happen with a right. smaller group. Right, right. Because uh, I've attended the international conferences in other cities, in other countries, and it's real difficult to pull off. It is. Uh, you need a local smaller. team to make it happen a and lot of times. Because of that, we've selected Austin, Texas uh, in 2017. Okay. Uh, and Austin, be September 27th to 29th in Austin, Texas at the uh, downtown Hilton Garden Inn is where the, it'll be. And that should be a great site. Austin's a wonderful high-tech city. There's a lot going on there. Many, many high-tech manufacturers. There, there's the University of Texas has a campus there. There's the uh, um, semiconductor. Semiconductor industry's been there for a while. Yes. There's also a lot of startups yes. in and around the area. So yes. you should get a good local draw. That'd yeah. be good. So yeah. we, but it is in Texas, though. Come on, Jim. Oh, Texas is wonderful. <laughs> oh, <you mean>? Yahoo! <laughs> as long as no root for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't care. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> but it's, we've already got cooperation with two of the IEEE chapters down there, and we're working with them to help promote it because we're, yeah, we go out to reliability people, we go out to biomedical people, we go out to materials people, um, and others. Uh, we also had uh, components manufacturing technology people. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. They used to be a sponsor of it uh, as well. Uh, the uh, Fort Worth section from ASQ has got a big active section, I think, the last I knew. Yes. So they're, they're not too far away. Yeah, the whole Dallas-Fort Worth uh, area, they like to put them together like the Twin Cities. Well, Fort Worth will take exception in that case. They have a much more active section <laughs> than the yes. Dallas section. Absolutely. And so we've contacted all those uh, people and uh, we'll continue to do so to help promote this conference. This is an example you alluded to early on in this conversation about volunteerism, something we can give back. That's one of the reasons I'm involved with these, because mm -hmm. when I was a young reliability engineer just learning, uh, I always needed to go to conferences and talk to people to gather more than one can find out of a book. So now I'm trying to give some of that back by helping to promote and sustain these conferences and mm -hmm. talking with people and getting out there and doing that outreach. No, you're also, I mean, you've done webinars and, and I know I've talked to you on the different webinars and so on, and, and that's, those seem to be growing. I mean, the ASQ section and Hobbs Engineering and um, Diane and I uh, list as many of the reliability-related webinars as we can. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the one for January, I think we had 30 events mm -hmm. and it just continues to grow. Yeah and people are adding more and more events. 
is that taken away from the face-to-face -face at all, do you think, or is there other forces that are causing this to happen? Well, I have no doubt that some of the webinars are taking away from the face-to-face -face meetings at conferences, but conferences have their own hurdle because you have to take time off work, you have to get expenses, get the boss to approve it, and that's often difficult. Webinars are the alternative where you need that learning, and yet you can do it in one or two hour segments, if they're done that way, or sometimes they're all, all day. Or, or sometimes they're recorded, too, and yeah. you can come back to them later. And that's, and that's, that's wonderful if you can do that and put you do, out. You do miss, though, the, the networking part, the interaction piece. So I think that's still the, the draw for the face-to-face -face thing. Well, I think the face-to-face -face thing had many draws, as well as being able to talk to the speakers and catching them afterward on the side. It's, it's other people that you meet or you, you've known uh, and have can provide you information, help, guidance, whatever is going on. You can't do that with a webinar. It's, you, it, it's harder to it's do. Much harder. Is, is you need to make sure that the, the, the attendees to the webinar can, can see each other. I'm using air quotes here because it's usually through a chat window yeah. or some dialogue thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know from the webinars, you, you start to hear the same people asking questions and a couple of them you see conversations between participants in the chat window yes and so it's possible it's not near as prevalent as the face-to-face -face. but the technology is advancing so I think they'll be improving in the uh, future because it's no longer the single you have, uh, one question at a time or you, you have to type in questions ahead and that's right so I, I'm, I'm excited about the technology improvement because the conductivity of the world uh, I've done webinars where I had people in Europe and the Far East at the same time, and uh, asking questions and dealing with that with their own and with their own issues because mm -hmm. of time zone problems as well. So somebody's you, always up at midnight yes. attending it. <laughs> oh, somebody's always up at midnight or six in the morning. That's right. Having to attend and uh, the I think the, uh, the webinars, as you said, recorded. Once they're recorded and brought, you can replay them. Uh, oftentimes, many uh, people sustain that. Uh, all recorded webinars. It's interesting though, is if you look at the, the stats for, you know, you might get 200 people attend the live event mm -hmm. and there's interaction and stuff, and then uh, it may end up with 20 views over the next month of a recorded yes. event. Yes. You know, people that have schedule change and they really wanted to go to it. it and I've asked people, what, you know, to take advantage of the recording. And there's, there's a couple of hurdles with that is, one is, it's, even if I don't participate in the webinar, it's live. I yes. could if I wanted to. Yes. And so it adds another engagement level or a level of, I could ask a question. So same as at a conference, is many people don't stand up and ask a question or approach the authors, yet they could. And, and here you get the body language at the conferences, you get the body language and much more rich communication. Whereas if you're doing a recording, it's another piece of friction to ask a question. You have to find the email, you have yeah. to find, you have to take extra steps outside of the event to, to go do it. So it's, it's a progression. Mm -hmm. of, uh, and so like reading a paper is another activity yeah. that's a little less rich in its communication because it's just type text. Yet, what, I'm gonna come back to the, the networking part mm -hmm. and the interaction piece of that. I, I think it was, I think it was at Rams one year, you, and I asked you about your networking and you know, how you have interacted with people and, and what you like doing. 
And then you demonstrated it and you said, what I like to do is introduce two people that really should get to know each other, and then I leave, I get out of the way. <laughs> and I've seen you do that so many times now, now that you cued me into this qubit. Um, so if, if, if you're, if, you know, go to the ASDR conference just so Jim can introduce you to the people that will really help you in your career. Because I think you, the way you told that story was is that's a large part of how you got started with getting to know the right people that really helped you learn and, and move mm -hmm. forward. And it's true, and I, I remember that as a young engineer, but most of it was within one company. But then as I get, started going to conferences, uh, I met other people, people introduced me to other people, just as we were talking about, and that was a big help. I maintained those connections over my career and continue that uh, with people. I've done that, just <laughs> as you said, last night at dinner. Uh, with a couple different groups, yeah. so and so wanted to meet so and so. He was a. And you make and, a quick introduction, and they get and something leave. to talk yeah. about, and you let them work it out. It, be careful, though. I'm going to warn the audience that be careful because Jim will also get you involved in committees and volunteer yes. work and, and extra activities. It's all to give back to the community because there's a lot of talent yeah. out there. There is, and that's a, another way to meet people and uh, help you with your professionalism and your career advancement by talking to people and meeting them. Uh, the reliability community is really wonderful. They're mostly very good people. Uh, some of them are a little shy, so you'll have to approach them. If you want to get things out of them, uh, many write papers, rather, they, they don't want to give a presentation because right. they're, they're shy. Um, so you'll have to go take the initiative. Now, for the ASTR, um, when I pre presented there in San Francisco, I don't remember having to do a paper like here at Rams. Is that still the case where you're, you're not doing a, a a technical paper yeah. along with the presentation? Well, we've evolving ASTR, as you com commented, it was a little less formal. Uh, we have technical presentations, uh, PowerPoint primarily, uh, but we're now asking for papers because we want to do two things. Um, well, the PowerPoint's very good, it, it gives you an outline of what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, with the paper, when the author writes the paper with the PowerPoint, you've got a, a whole picture between the two. You've got the you got the, all the details and the, sum, the summaries of PowerPoint, what you right. can talk about and they can add to uh, personally. This makes it a more professional conference. Mm -hmm. We're also now uh, able, with both, we're able to uh, work with IEEE and put those on the web. So the, you've got the, the presentation, papers. Or the yeah. papers can come along with yes, it now. Yes, as we did in uh, last year in 2016. Okay. And that's now occurring. And that's our intent to develop this conference at a little more professional level. To get a, a, a technical proceedings, essentially, yes. in publishing that. Yes, and IEEE is working with us. Uh, we're st and we're storing all of our archives through the University of Maryland. They've been very helpful with us. So okay. we've got past uh, conference proceedings. Anything's presently available can be is found. Is that through the Clark School of Engineering side of the reliability program there with uh, Ali Mosley, or is that through Calson and Michael Pack? I think it's through Kels, okay. but I don't know the details. So. Which is interesting because, I mean, they do um, uh, prognostic health management and physics of failure models, which yeah. is a f the, the work to support mm -hmm. those things is accelerated testing yes. oftentimes. Uh, it, they're not, I, I never pictured Kels as a proponent of halt testing or of margin testing, highly accelerated mm -hmm. testing. Is that, well, is that a true perception, is, in your opinion? Well, I, I can't speak for all accounts and every person there, but right. uh, HALT is one of the techniques for accelerated testing, for finding problems. And uh, you can't just say, well, I don't like that te technique, so I'll ignore it. You end up using it, and to me, it, it has its place. So, 
like many of the other tools we use, um, mm -hmm. there's no one tool that does everything for everybody. I sat this morning and listened to, uh, before this session, a, a guy from uh, automotive company talking about their plants and how they evaluate. And they're very heavy on DOE and other upfront work on mm -hmm. evaluating materials bef all before they do the testing, which is great. And then they do a very extensive testing. Right. And um, so that, that's a different approach because of the nature of their market. Right. Uh, they have to really look at those materials because long-term wear, fatigue, and changes are important to cars. Yeah, especially my car. I yes. asked them to send me the one that's good. <laughs> send me a good one. Yeah, the dealer, you know, the, the, the salesman at the dealership. Yep, yep, this is the good one. This is the one they made right. Well, that's the whole <laughs> manufacturing side versus we're talking the design side. But yeah, you're right, manufacturing is right. part of it. That's part of the variation, variability that can be present. That's right. Once you've got to take care of uh, that as well into in the design. Halt can help you do that because you, just by... Um, using the extremes, you can quickly find some failure modes. Mm -hmm. You find a lot of materials issues or misfits and other things. You might not find where. And also finding uh, interaction pieces and things that mm -hmm. if you're focused on a particular failure mechanism, you're maybe isolating those interactions yes. and, and, and avoiding them. Now, one question I got for you is, um, you've seen standards for reliability <laughs> testing over the years. There's mm -hmm. Mill Standard 810, and there's a handful mm -hmm. of other test procedures and standards out there. Um, where do they fit into the, the pantheon of doing reliability engineering work? Well, the mill standards, great place to start because that's where much of it began. But uh, then there are various industrial standards as well. The, the catch with these standards is they tend to follow real time, uh, so they're a lagging uh, in piece of information, but they present a series of standard tests that you can do. It doesn't matter whether you do it in in uh, San Diego or you, you do it in Boston. Um, the company has the same standards to work with or you do it in Munich or you, you do it in uh, Seoul, Korea. Right. You've got the same standards and so the same, same pretty much methods. If you're meeting those, you've got a common base. But often those aren't enough. Right. People are adding to the standards and they slowly get up, updated and changed uh, as people get smarter or applications uh, get smarter. The part I some standards, not all, but many standards, especially for in the reliability realm of accelerated testing, often don't include what technology does this apply to. So you might have a perfectly good standard for evaluating uh, a polymer structure, yeah. and then somebody applies it to glass. Yes. You know, like, it's a True. different failure mechanism. The acceleration factors don't apply. The, well, you have to be smart enough, and that's part of the things about going to conferences. You have to be smart enough to realize what are the limits and what are the variables. I uh, did some work at a biomedical company a couple of years ago, and they were using military standards. And I, and they wanted to reference them because they looked good, and but they weren't enough for what they were trying to do. It wasn't I, answering the questions they really needed. Not to all the questions the approach, on, yeah. on the failure modes and other things, because we that was our base. We started with those standards mm -hmm. and we went beyond. Uh, I wrote tests for things that they never thought about. Uh, one of the issues, because it's a human interface piece of equipment, is aerosols. Right. Aerosols, and no one's going to stand it on aerosol testing except for um, kitchens. Commercial kitchen industry has aerosol standard yeah. for measuring yeah. that. And it has yeah. nothing to do with biomedical, except they define things. So right. you can use that as an outline to set up a test for you and say, okay, if aerosols are important to the proper operation of this piece of biomedical equipment, I better have some idea of 
size range of aerosol particles, their impact, and how to produce. And, and it gives you the language then to yeah. form the test and interpret your, your own use environment to, yeah. to something appropriate. Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm cross-fertilizing two very divergent industries there. Yeah. It's funny, though, there's, there's, there's a lot of, well, not invented here mm -hmm. still in the world. And yeah, you see it at these conferences and at ASTR is mm -hmm. where you're sitting next to somebody in a consumer product mm -hmm. and you're in, a, a mm -hmm. in an industrial product you're facing essentially the same problems. Mm -hmm. And the tools we use are often the same. So let's wrap it up there and mm -hmm. say, you know, well, one, look for Jim. I'll be around. <laughs> wherever wherever you've, you ran across him, because invariably he's going to introduce you to somebody that's going to make a difference in your career. Yes. So I know that for a fact. The, uh, plus, there's just this a ton of stuff there to learn about. I, I think mm -hmm. later in the year, uh, we're recording this at the Rams conference, uh, but uh, at some point, the program's going to come up. I think the call for papers. We may yes. have missed this when missed it by the time this comes out on air. Uh, but the, it's an annual conference, and if this year doesn't work for you, go to the next. But I think uh, Austin's going to be a pretty cool venue. I'm looking forward to that because uh, we're already excited. We've got a program developed. We've got a committee, and we're building momentum. Uh, for those people who hear this, it's go to www.ieee dash. A-S-T-R dot O-R-G. All right, great. And you that, that gives you a website. I'm, I'm passing out the call for papers now, and we're putting it up on the web. And um, we're going to have a great conference in Austin and lots of cool people. That's Think right. of reliability engines <laughs> cool nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely are. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Appreciate it. Very good, Fred. Right. Thank you, family.